Well, what better way to wrap up a week, to wrap up this Friday night, than to talk about chocolate? Yes. We're going to talk about American chocolate, and there's a story behind this, American milk chocolate. Um, we did have, I asked you earlier what you thought of American milk chocolate. Jim at Abbotsford says, American milk chocolate is not very good. It tastes like it's gone stale. Anything else is better than American. It is the worst. You're not alone, Jim. Many people agree with you about, uh, there's a certain tanginess, a certain sourness, cheesiness, maybe, if you will, to American milk chocolate, specifically the Hershey bar or the Hershey's kiss. Um, this story comes from two places. I was just in the U.S. on holiday over the over the holidays and bought a chocolate bar. My wife had never had one, never had a Hershey's bar in the States and thought, wow, that's awful. Um, and then when I came back, I thought about that and I was just scrolling through social media as I'm wont to do. And there was this op-ed written by um, in The Guardian by a columnist named Arwa Madawi. And she writes, <laughs> the, the op-ed is called, Why is American Chocolate So Disgusting? You Really Don't Want to Know. That's what it's called. And I thought, isn't that a coincidence? I wonder why it is. I kind of knew already, but I was wondering, you know, I wondered again what the reason was, why it tastes so different. She described it as being like sawdust that's been drowned in sugar and soaked with baby vomit. That is quite the word picture there, isn't it? She's not alone. Jim and Abbotsford's not alone, although sawdust is probably a little less, um, or cardboard or stale, is probably a slightly less graphic description of why you don't like it. Um, but again, if you don't like American chocolate, you're not alone. On YouTube, there are all these great videos where people from different countries try snacks from other countries. And one of the funniest ones, of course, is shot in Ireland. It's Irish folks tasting other people's stuff. And here are some of them after sampling a Hershey's Kiss. Tastes like how it smells. Like sour milk. That's it. Yeah. It tastes like sour milk. It tastes like the memory of chocolate. It's like, are you getting like a sharp aftertaste? Yes, It kind yeah. of burns your throat a little. Yeah. But they taste like crap, basically. <laughs> Hershey's Kisses of Death. <laughs> there you have it. Americans like them. I mean, in 2020, chocolate, not just milk chocolate, but chocolate in general represented 58% of the $37 billion in confectionery sales in the U.S., 58% of nearly 40 billion. That's a lot of money. More than, you know, $20 billion worth of, uh, worth of chocolate sold in the U.S. alone. So they must like it. And one interesting phenomenon I read about was that we like chocolate so much. We form such a powerful bond with chocolate, emotional connection, that we're often attached to the flavors of chocolate that we're used to. Therefore, explaining why, as a kid, when I used to go to the States and eat Hershey's bars, because I'd see the ads on TV, I grew to like them and still like them. And why someone who never had one would think, what is this? But what exactly, chemically speaking, gives milk chocolate that tangy taste? We thought we would tackle this vital question with Alejandro Marangoni. He's a professor and Canada Research Chair in Food, Health, and Aging. He is a food chemist. Thanks for your time tonight. No, thank you, Ben, for inviting me. So that uh, listeners know, what does a food chemist do? Uh, that's very interesting. I mean, I started my career studying physical chemistry, you know, and then after a while, it became a little bit tedious. And I thought, you know, what career can it be? Can I choose that I can do an experiment in the lab? And then if I don't like it, eat the result. <laughs> and that led me straight into food science, you know, anything and everything from dairy products to chocolate to meat, uh, to anything you want. It's, it's highly creative and, and still a lot of things to discover. And there is an amazing 
aspect to food that is chemistry, right? I mean, that we don't often think about food as being a chemical reaction to something. I guess that's not exactly a scientific way of putting it. But it, it is a really interesting field when you think about how we react to the things we eat. No, absolutely. It's critical. And uh, I mean, maybe people don't realize it, but the food industry is a fairly sophisticated industry. They need to guarantee that, that the food doesn't go bad, that the quality is preserved, that the oil doesn't get oxidized, that things don't taste like cardboard. And all those things are chemical reactions, even flavor creations. That being said, one of the interesting things, I was mentioning it in the introduction. I was in uh, Florida with my wife, bought a Hershey chocolate bar. She'd never had an American Hershey bar before. Gave her a bite of it, and she found it uh, reprehensible, repulsive, offensive even. And it got me thinking about that whole, it's been a long-standing thing when you live in Britain too, you know, this this sort of hatred of the Hershey bar specifically. What is it about certain American chocolate that causes, chemistry-wise, that causes that reaction? Well, first of all, I think everybody should read the story of Milton Hershey, who right. funded, who founded Hershey, Pennsylvania as a utopic town where everybody who worked in the Hershey company would live and be taken care of. And he was uh, the person, Hershey, who introduced the milk chocolate to America. And uh, the, the lore says that he would have to buy then a lot of milk from the dairy farmers. And sometimes that milk would not be stored properly uh, for, for a certain amount of time until it got turned into milk chocolate. And what happens during the storage of milk, what can happen is there's a natural enzyme that, that degrades, if you may, the, the fat in, in, in the milk, the milk fat, and releases fatty acids. And the fatty acids are the components of the fat. And uh, milk, uh, milk fat is, is known for containing these very short uh, fatty acids, butyric acid, they have beautiful names. And butyric acid has a particular smell that you could characterize as dirty socks. And, and related type compounds. So maybe you have smelled butter that has gone off or milk that has gone off. It has a very, very strong butyric acid flavor. It's very characteristic. You cannot miss it. We seem to be hypersensitive to that flavor. So even a little bit of hydrolysis or degradation of the milk fat gives you this funky flavor uh, that can be characterized as dirty socks, uh, vomity uh, kind of flavor in there. So. It, this is how milk chocolate was introduced to the Americans beginning in 1905 when the first uh, chocolate bar was introduced. And guess what? Quite a few generations of Americans began to love the taste of slightly rancid uh, milk, milk chocolate because it came from rancid milk fat that had not allegedly had not been stored properly. Let's say you don't refrigerate it properly. So, you know, the biological reactions then can, can take place. But this, this, this flavor that the Americans love to, uh, to, to eat, and by the way, it works the other way too. They love that flavor and they are not so partial to the flavors that we like. Um, and that's how it arose. And now uh, we do have proper refrigeration of milk fat and stuff like that, but the people have gotten used to that flavor. So now they have to make an effort to make the milk fat a little bit rancid so that people will, uh, will prefer that. People prefer that. Hershey flavored taste. But of course, our, our tastes have become more international. So now we have the British taste of the Cadbury chocolate, very caramelly like, or maybe a more neutral dark chocolate taste. But, but that phenomenon uh, that the Europeans cannot understand still today is why the American like rancid milk chocolate. 
I had saw one columnist refer to it recently as tasting like sawdust that's been drowned in sugar and soaked in, soaked with baby, <laughs> baby vomit, which was I thought, wow, because I don't I, I don't mind the taste. I think that plays into something. This is more psychology than chemistry, but something I was reading about earlier that chocolate, because it's such a potent product uh, in so many ways, psychologically for us, physiologically and psychologically, we like chocolate, right? Most of us do that. The chocolate we eat when we're young becomes what we like. And so therefore, that's why Brits react so badly to Hershey's and why Americans like it and don't much like some of the other stuff. Yeah, I I think things are changing as they get exposed to like a good dark chocolate. I mean, why wouldn't you like, uh, why would you not like uh, a chocolate that is not half rancid, you know? Uh, So I'm sure that there's more heterogeneity now in in, in the choices for the Americans, but there was a point where they really had to make an effort to make that milk rancid. And now, so in, now they can refrigerate it, but they would have to add, let's say, an enzyme that would slightly degrade the milk fat, so you would get that taste. Uh, so it, it became a very, very funny, fu- funny thing. It, it is. It is especially funny when you think about it in relation to chocolate. I mean, anything else maybe, but chocolate seems like such a sacred product to sort of have the word kind of rancid or or the bucolic acid, sort of uh, butyric acid rather, thrown into it. It seems like such an odd combination. I know, but I mean, uh, but it's not, it's not completely, yes, you're completely right in saying that it's a little bit strange to find it in chocolate because some of us like very old cheese, for example, and the old, that very strong flavor, which comes from degradation of protein, as well as degradation of the fat, the same, uh, the same rancidity, hydrolytic rancidity that we were talking about. And so people like that taste, but there's quite a few people that just cannot stand a very stinky old cheddar cheese. But some of us, it's again, sort of wanted that flavor and maybe there's some sort of weird because did you know that chocolate is one of the only food products that has all the flavor profiles it's salty it's sweet it's it's uh it's acidic it has a lot of flavor sensations all thrown into one uh think of the mexicans with their chocolate sauces which are which are hot and spicy and uh, shrimpy and all kinds of bizarre combinations with chocolate so i mean there's that that deep down desire to eat maybe slightly rotted <laughs> milk and chocolate, it comes it comes from deep within. But uh, but yeah, the, the the example of the Americans loving that flavor is is quite p- particular to uh, and, and you can ask any European chocolate maker, and they're still today horrified at yes. the whole concept. Yeah, it's funny that Canadians kind of stand in the middle some way because we do have quite a British tradition when it comes to our own sort of commercial chocolate. Uh, but because we live on the border, a lot of us were exposed to, such as myself, were exposed to Hershey products really young. We saw the commercials on cartoons. So we had sort of a built-in affection for what it would taste like. And when you eat it, you're like, ah, oh, that's what a Hershey bar tastes like. So I actually don't mind both of them. I could see why people would be really put off the uh, that taste. But I kind of like both ours and theirs. Historically, though, it did not have success in Canada. Right. So it didn't. We didn't have this uh, this massive adoption of the Hershey flavor here. The Cadbury one had more success, and that's the way we went. So they were also very baffled how they could make such a delicious, uh, slightly rancid chocolate, and we wouldn't eat them. So uh, no, it didn't have success in Canada. It became very much an American thing. Alejandro, you you you've been studying chocolate over the years and come up with some really interesting um, developments. It's just on how to kind of use chemistry to bypass what is you know very very much a old and very laborious or or you know it's it's a it's a very ancient process is it not sort of transforming the cocoa bean into what we know as the chocolate bar 
Yes, well, not that old. Depends on what your frame of reference is. 1850s, right? When we began making chocolate, started as you know as a drink. As the chocolate, drink, of course. Yeah. Chocolate houses came before coffee houses historically, right? Uh, but but then people got a little bit tired of drinking 50% fat drinks, you know that, <laughs> and 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 they went more the coffee way. But uh, but chocolate was, and then of course it does take a British person to start putting sugar and extra fat in things. And that's how the, the actual solid chocolate bar came, came to be. Um, but, but yeah, we've been working on, on very different aspects of chocolate, more um, sort of niche kind of areas. One of them is heat resistant chocolate. In many parts of the world, the distribution chains are not as good and maybe they're warmer climates. So it's very difficult to move around chocolate without it being uh, melted. Like uh, here, we have that problem in the summer. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole bunch of endeavors trying to increase the heat resistance of chocolate. And we, we approach it from a slightly different point of view. You would think, oh, I'm just going to put uh, a fat that melts at really high temperatures. You know? But the problem with that is that if you now have a really high melting fat, you put it in your mouth and it never melts. It coats your mouth and it becomes horrible. It's like eating right. grease or something like that. So we went and created, believe it or not, uh, a sugar network. We we ask all those little sugar crystals in there to stick to each other and form actually like a, a network that holds everything together. And it was so successful that we could even wash out all the other ingredients and leave a chocolate ghost, we called it. It was a ghost of sugar without anything else. It looked like a little bar of chocolate, but that held everything together. So really? people were very excited about that. It made the chocolate a little crunchy. Uh, which is not really what you would expect from. But a better chocolate. than better than than you know a melted mush, right? We could get it to like survive seventy Celsius like that. What? Seventy Celsius. Still like not a soup, you know, like it becomes, but still a little bit hard. I mean, still it, it's a little bit more expensive, so not implemented, and people still want this luxurious quality to their chocolate. So even though it doesn't melt, it's not as nice as the other one. Um, so that was that was a cool thing we worked on. And the other one that came out just recently is uh, we were trying to simplify the tempering process. I do not know if you're familiar with how to make chocolate, but most there's very few companies in the world that actually produce bulk chocolate. Think about a piece of cooking chocolate. Right. There's very few people that do it. And then the chocolatiers, the stores, the little places take that industrial chocolate and they make their confections. They make their truffles. They make their bars. They make all, you know, there's a lot of these small and medium sized ones. And always a problem. Maybe you've seen these guys. They appear in front of marble tables with a big white hat. And they are like, seems like they're scraping these masses of chocolate on top of the of the stone, you know, what the hell are they doing? Right. And what they're doing is they're actually crystallizing the chocolate fat, the cocoa butter in a specific form. And that specific form gives you the melting point, gives you the, the hardness, gives you the gloss of a chocolate. So you got to get it right. If you don't get it right, sometimes it turns white on you. It's a science experiment almost, right? I mean, there, it's science happening, right? Oh, it, yeah, it has, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just Google tempering chocolate and you see this very serious looking cook looking chocolatier and scraping, scraping stones, scraping chocolate on stuff with stones. But he knows what he's doing just by eye. So we put some signs behind it, do some measurements, and we're trying to simplify by adding some natural ingredients that are present in the chocolate, like phospholipids or other things that are naturally present in there to see if we can accelerate this process of crystallization. So make it happen a little easier and also go to the right crystal form. So we get the well-tempered chocolate. Imagine if we didn't have to control things so well 
that would increase the success of making a good confection and it would actually cheapen the the whole process make it less more energy efficient because it would be a directed crystallization rather than just just really having to control how fast you cool it how much you mix it and the control is really tight like you mess that up and you're going to end up with not very good chocolate right so in, in other words you're replicating that whole process of laying it out on the marble slab you're doing that just with chemistry which is which is it, fantastic it, exactly Absolutely, exactly. So the question is, what's that little magic bullet you're going to put in there so that the whole thing works out in the end, yeah. you know, and you don't make some sort of disaster? So much interesting stuff going on with chocolate. I guess the, the logical last question, the Hershey bar for you, <laughs> what's your take? Do you like them or not? You know what? It's really bizarre uh, because I like dark chocolate. I actually like 75% chocolate. I, you go a little bit too much above that. It becomes too waxy, too bitter. I like 75. That's my yep. favorite. I'm not too big a fan of milk chocolate, but every time I cross that border, I go to the like gas station and I buy myself a Hershey milk chocolate bar, some sort of like perverse desire to taste that rancid milk or, or something. There's something really weird going on. So even though I, I usually don't buy it, the moment I'm in the US, I'm buying one of those bars. Yeah, I do the same. Part of the experience. Her, her, Hershey with almonds. That's always the one I get. Uh, Alejandro Marangoni, it's been fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben.